All right. Welcome, everybody. I'm Zahid uh, from Talks at Innovation Valley. Um, thank you. And today we have very special guest. guests. In fact, usually we do a podcast with the one guest, but today's podcast is very, very special that we have two people, two amazing guests. Uh, the one is, is Stacy and Stacy, and the second is Renee. So before uh, we move to the questions of, and let me first tell you that today's topic is very, very, uh, uh, you know, close to my heart because I really like this topic. The topic is how to build winning teams and effective processes. You know that everything in every organization, startup or country depends on the teams and the processes and the systems. So to, you know, to talk on this amazing topic, we have these two amazing guests. So I will request to first Stacy to introduce herself about your background, your education and your industry. Great. Thank you. Well, first, he thank you so much for having us today. It's an honor and a pleasure to spend this Welcome time. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. So I'm Stacy Gonzalez. I spent the first 20 years of my career in public education here in the United States. And um, after 20 years, I decided it was time to do something different and more innovative uh, because I really wasn't able to innovate as much as I would have liked to in schools. And so about three years ago, I left education and started um, learning about tech startups and what it takes to build a, a company from the ground up. And so um, for the last three years, I've been researching, exploring, um, tried my hand at tech sales, at which I was terrible at tech sales. And then I met Renee in December and we started a, a company together called Soul Growth. And so we're excited to share a little bit about um, what our journey has been like to, to this time now. Renee. All right. Sahid, thank you so much for having us today. We get so excited talking about um, how Stacy and I met, how we came together, and then our journey into our new business, Soul Growth. Um, a little bit similar to Stacy, I was in education and public education for 25 years. Uh, I was a teacher for 15 or 10, 10 years, and then I was a principal uh, for the last 15. And uh, realized uh, just this last summer, realized that <clears throat> I wasn't really uh, cut out to be a principal anymore. I was, uh, my values were in a different alignment to um, what I was doing and where I wanted to go. And so um, I actually have been unemployed for the last seven months. But in those seven months, there's been fantastic things that have been happening in my world. And one of that is just kind of letting it go uh, following my heart and seeing where I can align to people, places, and things. Um, Stacy came in at the perfect time in December. Uh, <clears throat> I had already started a shop called um, Soul Growth, and I had a blog, Soul Growth. Um, and those were really just to continue the positive energy moving forward as I was looking for these new roles and positions in an industry that was completely different than education. Um, and... Uh, it just so happened that Stacy and I connected um, and we live about five minutes away from each other. Um, so our worlds are similar. We were kind of on a similar journey. We live close to one another and we came together and my 
soul growth shop where I sell t-shirts with beautiful words on it. Um, basically, uh, caught her heartstrings, uh, Stacy's heartstrings. And she, uh, said, this is it. This is what we're doing. This is the business right here. Soul growth. And I think these last two months have been a whirlwind of awesomeness. I couldn't have asked for a better partner. Well, we can't hear you. There you That's go. That's amazing. I'm sorry. So really amazing. So your name of your platform is really amazing. Like soul grow. I guess soul growth. Yes. So, you know, soul is everything. So I would love to know a little bit more about your organization. I mean, what you actually are doing from the soul growth and who are your friends? Yeah, so I'll start and then Renee, feel free to, to jump in. We're starting with really, um, you know, like any good startup um, should do with research and development. And so um, we both have a, here, we're in the Chicagoland area. So we both have a network of amazing women leaders that we know and have met throughout our entire uh, career journey. And so we're bringing them together to really ask them what is important to them at the intersections of their wellness and well-being, right? That's the soul work, our wellness, our inside work. Like what, what do they need inside? How are they processing through, especially the complications that we face in our just day-to-day -day lives, right? So their wellness and then their professional and personal growth. What types of experiences um, can we create? We're creating an experience for them to come together that we're really excited about. But, um, you know, we are really going to really lean in hard and listen to these other really smart, amazing women um, that we personally and professionally know and care deeply about to ask them what it is that that we can create that can help them grow their own soul. Right, Renee? Yeah, I think. Oh, I think you you nailed it, Stacey. Um, I don't have a whole lot to add there other than. You know, I think that this experience, both Stacey and I come from a place of wanting to make an impact on others. Um, and so this, that's a part of our number, that's our number one core value that, that she and I share. And so with soul growth, it's really just going out there and making a greater impact for the good of others and really taking our experiences, our stories and our journey, our personal journey and really carrying that forward to others to, to for them to kind of explore their journey and are they in alignment um, currently with what they're doing and who they feel they are and what they want for their future. It's really exciting to think about. Um, and I think that this is go going to go beyond women at some point. I think that there's probably um, a really uh, hearty place for uh, men to be a part of this work as well um, once we get the ball rolling. Right. So since, you know, our topic is how to build uh, winning teams and effective processes. So the first thing I would love myself and my audience know that what actually is the definition of a real team? Stacey. It's mm. a great question, Zahid. You know, a real team is one where there is a great amount of trust um, between and among the members of the team. 
Um, and that trust starts with, you know, each team member trusting him or herself, right? So I'm only as strong and able to trust my teammates is if I trust myself, right? And the way I do that is by um, following up on the things that I say I'm going to do, keeping my commitments, operating in ways that demonstrate integrity, empathy, compassion, um, the value of understanding that other people, I don't have to agree with maybe the way somebody else is choosing to live their life. It doesn't have to be right for me, but I can allow myself to see that perspective that somebody else has. And I think when we embody our shared values um, and we're in a company is really, really clear on what our values are, we can help everyone else on that team align to those values. Right. So, yes, I agree that trust is the main thing in among the team. So the question is, Renee, how to build the trust among the team? Mm. I, mean, how? I think that all starts with, you know, who you bring on the team to begin with, right? So when I think about building a winning team, I really want to bring people on board who are aligned um, in the mission and vision of our company. So when we're going out and we're even looking for sponsors who will be eventually be a part of our team, um, we want to align to their mission and vision just as much as we want them to align to ours. Um, I think our core values, and I spoke to this a little bit before, Stacy and I did some work on our core values as we were entering into this partnership. And so really taking inventory of the people that we're bringing on board and what their core values are and do those core values align to who we are as the co-founders of this particular company. Um, I also think it's important to bring in diversified perspectives so that there, when we talk about trust, um, that we can have challenging conversations that aren't always going to be in agreement with one another. Um, but by having those challenging conversations, um, we can respect the other perspective, even though we may not agree upon it. And I think Stacy touched on this before. Um, that really is about kind of building um, the trust through communication. I think when you have high standards of communication and transparency, I think that there's um, a really strong chance you're going to have a more effective and winning team um, because there's transparency, honesty, direct um, conversations that don't always necessarily lend themselves to uh, walking away in, in complete agreement, but being able to hear somebody else's opinion that may either change the way that I'm thinking um, or may just solidify, you know, what I believe to be true. Um, and I think the other thing that's really important is that you're bringing people in. And I think this goes again to the diversified perspectives and communication is that you're bringing people in who are willing to be open to the conversation, right? As we're heading and we're aligned to this mission and vision, and that's where our focus will always be. And I think as long as people stay open and the people that you bring on board um, can keep their minds open to all the possibilities that may be in front of us, um, I think that that allows for trust to be built um, and for a really strong team to kind of carry the work forward. Right. Stacey, what is your input on this building trust element? Um, you know, trust takes time and trust is lived in the moment and in the experience. So I'll give an example how Renee and I have, have built trust. One of the things um, for me, there was there was a couple of weeks ago where I just was feeling a little anxious and not a little, 
frankly, a lot. I was feeling really anxious and I was, you know, I wasn't having a panic attack per se, but I could feel I've, I've had panic attacks in, in the past and I could feel this, this, this feeling rising inside of me. And, you know, maybe in the past it would have been, um, something for me that I might've felt ashamed of or embarrassed about. I wouldn't want to share with Renee, but I thought, no, we're in this together. It's really important that I'm able to communicate this challenge I'm facing right now in the moment while I'm, I'm facing it. And Renee was lovely in how she responded. She didn't try to solve the problem for me. She didn't try to um, tell me what I should or shouldn't be doing. Um, she just really listened, empathized um, and made, made space, made a space for me to feel like this isn't the end of our relationship. This is a normal thing. And, and we would get through it together. And I think allowing for people to come with their human experiences and, and being open to that, um, that, that people are going to, you know, when somebody says to you, how are you, right? You get on a zoom call with a colleague, how are you? And oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. Are you really okay? I mean, is it okay to, for us to say something like, you know, it's been a little bit, I'm a little off today and things I'm not feeling exactly, you know, high energy or whatever and, and accepting and being okay with that and not needing to fix that person or change that person, but trusting that just by allowing space for that, that person can show up more fully mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did I lose you, Zahid? Am I audible? Uh, I can hear you a little bit. We can hear you now. Okay, perfect, perfect. So, yes, I really agree that, uh, you know, listening others and uh, sharing your stories is a very good way to, you know, get better if you are feeling anxiety. But here the problem is, you know, that many people hide their problems. Uh, they don't share with even with their family, sometimes with their wife, with their parents, with their close friends. Here is a very, very important question. Why people don't share their personal stories? Mm. I mean, why oh, we can open them up? I... I think there's some shame and fear that's attached to, to people sharing their stories, you know, fear of how other people will judge them, um, shame and what they've experienced. And I think when you're not sharing your personal stories, you really are lying to yourself, right? You're almost lying to yourself and saying like, things are okay. I'm okay. You know, I think one of the things that I have encountered in my life as, as an educator and even me growing up, um, I was in communities where you really just put on a brave face. You smiled, everything is fine. But deep down there wasn't, I wasn't okay. And, and the kids that I taught or the adults that I worked with, they weren't okay either. Um, you know, I made a decision, um, to really show up authentically. And I was going to say this before Stacy and I both experienced really not being able to show up as ourselves authentically to work 
Um, we really had to play the role of somebody else in the roles that we were, you know, as a principal and as an assistant superintendent and high level roles in schools. And we had to show up, not necessarily um, being able to come to the table as we are. And there was just a decision. I think Stacy made that decision when she left education that that's not who she wants to be anymore. For me, I actually took a year off, moved away, came back to education and made that decision at that time that I'm going to show up in all aspects of me. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to put myself on the table because what I believe in, in talking about making an impact on others is that by telling my story, I know that I'm impacting others that I don't even know, you know, how, how it, my story sits with them. Um, and it may not mean anything to everyone and I'm okay with that. But if it, if it connects a few individuals who are in a room and they hear my story, which is kind of what we're doing with soul growth. Um, I'm good with that. You know, I think that, you know, the question that you ask as, as far as why do people not um, want to share their stories? And I really think it boils down to number one, um, they're scared of what the outcome will be if they start telling their story, which I can tell you, once I started telling my story, and I've been doing it now for about four years, um, people keep telling me, you have to keep telling your story. You have to keep telling others what your story is, because that story is going to impact the lives of many. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to, you know, I think you have to pick and choose where you want to share your stories to begin with. I think those safe, small spaces, um, whatever that means for you is where you begin to share. And then eventually you become a little bit more comfortable with sharing that story, maybe on a, on a bigger scale than maybe just one or two or three people. Um, but I do think that fear and shame is a big part of it. And you know, that judgment. And I think when we can get past how others view us and really sing from our heart, um, you know, what it is we're feeling in that moment, what we feel like we need to share, how can our story have a positive impact on others? Um, I think we lose or let go some of that fear and shame. Right. So, you know, when we uh, talk on the behaviors of a team, there are two types of behaviors. The one kind of behaviors are, you know, human behaviors, like the psychological behaviors, how they react on the things. But uh, the second thing is the team's knowledge and skills. So there are two things. On one side, we have knowledge and skills of the team. On the second side is their behavior. Do they execute in time? Do they, are they punctual? Are they, do they cooperate? So these behaviors and are they capable? Do they have knowledge? Do they are skilled? So, I mean, which is more challenging in the teams, technical knowledge or skill part or the human behavior part? <laughs> One question. Second, second is how we can make the teams better on these both things and how we could do the balance. Because sometimes team is very good on their behaviors, but they are incapable. Mm. And sometimes they are very technically sound and good and at knowledge, but they are very bad on the behaviors. So it's a great question. Um, it, you know, it depends, I think. 
I have a lot of, not a lot, but I, I know several um, engineers and developers and um, the way that they are in their technical skill, right? Um, in their skill area, they are very competent, um, you know, very capable um, when it comes to their their engineering work, right? And, and in, in the development world, they also tend to be more introverted and they're not really um, somebody, you know, to your point, like to them showing up on time, um, being able to work effectively, a lot of times asynchronously, they don't necessarily want to sit on a Zoom, like, you know, and, and share their stories and their feelings. And that's okay, right? And I think it's creating teams where we understand how people work best. Um, you know, our job, Renee and I, you know, we, we've not hired anybody yet, but we have volunteers who are helping us build this company. And you know, I think when you talk about the behaviors, that's the first thing, you know, that those psychological, the ways in which people respond, their level of ability to have empathy, their ability to communicate clearly. Some of those, what we consider like soft skills, I think that falls in the behavior piece. Um, those, you know, if, if somebody isn't in alignment, you know, Renee talked a lot about alignment. If somebody's not in alignment with us, they're not gonna be a great fit, even if they have all the skills. And right now for us, we're at a place where we're just we're just really launching and building and we're relying a little more heavily on the people who are in alignment in the behaviors um, versus the skilled workers that we need. But at some point, we're going to have to make some decisions because we'll, we'll want that to be balanced. Mm -hmm. Right. I guess, you know, that in the teams, in the different departments, there are always conflicts. Mm -hmm. There are always lack of communication and coordination. There is always some kind of jealousy. Mm -hmm. As a team leader, you have to, you know, synchronize everything. You have to synchronize all the teams. You want all the processes go smooth and you want all the production fine. And that will happen only when you know the teams are really synced psychologically, technically, and in communication and everything. So how to build harmony among the teams and among the departments and among the processes. Now we are, you know, integrating the process in the team. This is the central question of today's podcast. I would say, you know, when I think about um, creating teams and you have these very departments who can be, you know, in different spaces behaviorally and skills and whatnot is as a leader, um, having been a part of that type of environment in schools, um, you have to be really intentional on where you you put your time. And so I think we can often really focus on, I think you were you know, asking before about the skills versus the human behaviors. I think we can put a really big emphasis um, and lean really far to one side on the skills and knowledge of what people can offer. Like when we hire them in, um, you know, when we're thinking about performance, but just as important are those, um, what we call kind of an emotional intelligence um, piece to the work. And I'm going to say that they're 
Um, similar to Stacy, I think that they also sometimes maybe maybe fall a little bit, you know, 51, 49, 51, the human behaviors um, dominate kind of those knowledge and skills because of that need to be able to work in a collaborative environment. So as a leader, it's really important to me that there is dedicated time that we really focus our attention on how do we create those processes around those human behaviors, right? Along with those skills. So if we need to have a process or a system in place that um, speaks to communication and how we communicate with one another, what ways do we communicate with one another? Because as I said before, I think communication is one of the key um, attributes to building a team, um, a collaborative team that trusts one another. Um, so I would say, you know, just thinking about that as being really intentional about um, not not just focusing on the performance of the product or the company itself, um, because if you're not, you know, if you're just focusing on the knowledge and skills and you're not focusing on that, you know, EI, uh, the emotional intelligence piece of your teams, I don't think any team will ever meet their complete and true potential without putting focus on how do we take care of um, our people as individuals and then how does that transfer over into what they can do as far as a team right so there is a very common behavior among the teams and departments i don't know about us and europe but this behavior is especially in the asian countries and particularly in india and pakistan Uh, somebody requests to the other member, hey, I need this. The other person knows that he or she cannot do it within the time or she does not have the time. He does not have the time. But it is very hard for them to say no. So now they don't say no on that time. They say, okay, I will do it. But then they don't do. So two questions. One in the teams, how we could communicate the team members to be transparent and how to say no. Mm. I mean, the second is, on the other part, if somebody says you know, you must not offend. So how we could make understand on both sides that if somebody is saying you know, please don't mind it. And to the other person who is saying no, we need to make him or her understand that if you does not have the time or if you don't know how to do it, say sorry. Mm. How we could change this behavior? Stacy. <clears throat> well, the first thing is um, bringing all of your team members together, right? <clears throat> Whether there's a um, you know, team leader, that would be something that the team leader identifies as happening within the team, which it sounds like. So bringing that that team together and starting to, to set up some communication expectations. What I mean by that is how does the team communicate with each other around important topics or, or projects in this case? And, and what is the um, expectation, job expectations of the person on that team, right? Many times, um, you know, in order for, especially in a tech company where you're asynchronous, you need 
um, you have a deadline. You, you know, I, I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking my team member for help on something because it impacts my job and my ability to get my work done. So if I'm asking you for help of some sort or to get me some information I need or to, to create something for me, whatever that request is, um, it's okay for me. I, I, I need to, as the requester, I need to give you my expectations and explain to you why I'm requesting this, right? So I'm requesting this because of these reasons. Um, here's when I need it by. Is this something that you can assist me with? If you can't assist me with it, when can you or who else can, on your team maybe can or on our team might be able to help me with this? I think those clear communications allow people then to feel like the person receiving that request has a, some some flexibility in the way in which he or she responds along with some information. Many times people are, are, I get it, you have a lot on your plate, you're doing a lot of work. And so it's easy just to fire off a quick Slack message that says, hey, can you get me this thing with no context around that? And those are the things when we start to see teams break down because people aren't using healthy communication. So that would be my thing. And is as the if the people on the team don't have that skill, then it's the leader's responsibility to create opportunities to train and, and to practice those those skills. Right. So, uh, you know, when we talk on the team building, let's start from the hiring or from starting their internship. As a HR person or as a startup founder or as a CEO, whatever is your designation, how would you know what are the traits and characteristics of the winning team? How do you judge, gauge the personality that it could be a great yeah, uh, Renee. Why don't you talk? We could talk a little bit about um, the parents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's certainly ways in which, right? We're doing some work on what we're calling emotional agility or emotional intelligence, and allowing team members. Right? There's really, really great assessment tools out there. Um, you've heard of some of them, like the DISC assessment, but there's other. Um, uh, assessments that team members can take. So we're working with some leaders to, to build up a process where for their teams, each member of the team does an inventory, takes this assessment, really understands um, his, and her, his or her strengths and weaknesses, and then allowing that team as, as a dynamic to say, here's where on our team, we're strong here, we're capable here. Here's the areas where as a team, we're not so strong. Now, what do we want to do? How are we going to start building our capacity and strength as a team so we can be more efficient and effective in the work that we're delivering? Um, so I definitely think there's, there's you know, allowing people time and space to really assess and understand. There's lots of great research um, out there around this that can easily be integrated. Um, by a team leader with your with your either your weekly team meetings or monthly meetings. Um, and then Renee and I, you know, we serve as one on one coaches, mentors, um, having somebody who is sitting in a seat from a completely judge free space where it's just you and the, the person 
And that person's job is to just allow you space to explore your, your ideas, your goals, how you're meeting those goals. Um, we really believe in that as well. So team support coupled with one-on-one -on -one support of team members, we see teams go from zero to 100 off the charts rather quickly when they have that type of support. So Hit, I would also say that um, when I think about uh, just as my pre my previous role and what I will carry forward, you know, as we build soul growth, um, who we hire is the most important job that we do, right? So um, what we don't want is to hire the wrong people and then have high turnover. So that process really starts from the very beginning, whatever the application process looks like whatever the interview looks like. So you were talking a little bit earlier about that balance between knowledge and skills and human behavior. I'm going to want to dig into both, right? So the questions that I create through that process of, of hiring somebody and creating that team, I'm really going to want to make sure that the questions I'm asking of that person are not, um, you know, in the box questions that everybody asks anybody when they're hiring. It's, I want it to be specific to our company, uh, what we believe, what we stand for, and what does that mean to them? What can they bring to the table as far as their knowledge and skills, their past experience? Where do they see themselves in the future? Um, and then also that, that kind of emotional intelligence component is really important as well. Um, so as you're building a team, whether you're a CEO or founder, um, I would just say really spending time on what that process looks like in order to be aligned um, in the process to the type of people that you want to bring on board. Right. So I would, uh, I mean, you know that building the skills and knowledge of the team is very, very important. So as a, as a leader, as a team leader, how do you uh, upskill your team on their knowledge and skills and how do you measure their progress, especially with a system and process approach? Yeah, that's a great question. And especially when, right, um, if you're if you're a if you're a non-technical co-founder, which we both are, um, you have to really trust the skills and expertise um, of your people, but you also have to do your work. Right. So while I'm not going to have a complete um, depth, you know, really deep, intimate understanding of, you know, whatever the let's, for example, like the coding language, maybe that my my developers and engineers are using. I still have a responsibility to understand how that language functions, what things can and cannot be done, keeping my, um, you know, my um uh, understanding open because I'm talking with other founders, CEOs, leaders in those spaces um, to really be able to parse out because the hardest thing for a leader is some of those skilled areas that we don't have. We don't have it. We're not going to know. So we that's why that trust piece is so important. So when our employees come to us and they say, I need to shore up my skills. Here's a Here's a training program I want to take. Here's a workshop I want to, here's a course I want to take. We're able to say, okay, you need that. Tell us why you need it. We're able to process through that and then create opportunities for that person to upskill. We're also really, you know, important that we hire knowledgeable managers 
who have really strong success records, right? All right. So as a team leader, what are the top five skills that a team leader must have to build the teams and to, you know, run the company to be the super driver of the company of anything. Go ahead, Renee. I've got, I've, you know, I've got ideas about it. Go ahead. Yeah, I think we can bounce off of each other. I'm just going to, because I've said it through this, you know, throughout our time together, communication, number one, a, a leader has to be strong in the way that they communicate with their people. Um, and finding a, a, a variety of different ways in, in order to connect with our people. That's not just always emails or written communication, but one-to-one -one meetings, small group feedback sessions, focus groups, large group, um, that and, and consistent communication. I think that that's one uh, really important skill that successful team leaders need to have in order to run successful companies and organizations. Um, Stacey, I'll let you go for the next one. I think it's I think it's building tight, flexible processes. People need to know what the guardrails are. They need to know what the at the end of the day there are expectations that you um, meet. We have we have goals, um, quarterly, right, monthly, quarterly, yearly, whatever that looks like, and that your work is is you know on target towards those goals. Um, being able to have conversations about performance that are not personal. A performance conversation isn't personal. You bring the body of evidence, you know, it might be, it might feel personal to that person, but you bring the evidence based on here's the career job expectations that we hired you for. Here's the output that I see. Am I missing something? Right. It's, it's going and trusting that they're going to fill in the gaps instead of saying you're not doing, you, you're missing the mark. You're not doing your job, but allowing, you know, assuming best intention assuming that people do want to perform and do want to give their best. And so being able to um, have clear guidance on what those expectations are that are written, that are transparent, that everybody understands and knows and making sure that that person is supported throughout the entire um, process. I also right. think just, just to mm -hmm. go off of that, uh, Stacey's ahead is as a leader, to be able to also um, receive that type of feedback on your performance, right? And who you are as a leader. So I think one of the things we miss um, in corporations, companies, schools, is that the leader doesn't always get that type of feedback that they're giving to their team members. And so that reciprocation is a part of what builds trust between a team as well, right? That collaborative conversation around, you know, here are the areas of strength and areas for growth. For you and for me, I think is a really important piece to creating that trusting collaborative team. Right. So, you know, when we talk on the performance, accountability is very important. So how, as a team leader, how do you create sense of accountability within a team and ensure that everybody in the team is taking his or her uh, ownership of the work? I think the team, um, I think the leader, that's the, if the team is working as a well-oiled machine, then the team will keep each other accountable. And, 
you know, that is the biggest thing that we can do. This goes back, this goes to back where we started. We haven't used this word yet, but culture. As we create culture, as we bring people in, right? Renee and I are bringing in people to help and volunteer with us, but we have to create this sense of culture, community. We have to model the, you know, you've talked a lot about behavior, psychological behaviors. We have to model and when people step outside of that, because they don't know, it's not that it's not that people don't want to do their jobs and don't want to, you know, meet the expectations. It's that they don't know how many times, and or they see it and they don't know how to get there. And so our job is to create the steps to help walk them through that. And then there's times when you know what this isn't the right fit for you. Maybe it was at one point, but now it's time for you to go and to grow. And there's nothing wrong with going and growing. Um, and, and that's important too, to know when it's time for people to go. I think for me, when I was in my education role, it was time for me to go and I was resisting that. And I was trying to hold on to something that I thought I was supposed to be doing. And I had built my career in over 20 years and I can't give this up, right? But I couldn't, I wasn't growing anymore. And so I needed to go. Right, so, you know, you, uh, I mean, I really like uh, you talk about the culture, but the question is how you create a culture of collaboration, teamwork, and cooperation within the team. So I think that goes back. Yeah, Zahid, I think that goes back to what I said before. I think there has to be an intentional focus by the leader, right, to really spend time in creating that. I think, number one, it also goes back to the hiring piece. Uh, finding the type of people that you want at the table. Um, that's first and foremost. The next part is really about being intentional uh, in how you are creating that culture. What kinds of things are you putting in place um, to bring your teams together, whether it's a small team, a department, or it's the larger team with really a focus of, um, you know, that, that collaborative, trusting network and and that takes time i think stacy said this as well i also think it's the responsibility of the team leader and stacy and i would be able to talk to this just in our own roles is um you know how we show up right if if we show up and don't want to hear somebody else's perspectives then i will tell you that um your team isn't going to be you know, willing to be open to that because they see you the same. Your team isn't going to be willing to be vulnerable. Your team isn't going to be willing to be accountable if they see that the leader is not willing to do those things either. And so I really think that, you know, not to say that they're, you know, all the pressures on the team or the leader, but the leader is really the one who begins to create that cohesiveness of the team. And it really starts with modeling the behaviors that you want to see within your team. Right. Leader, team leader, no doubt has authority. When to use authority and when to use influence? It's a great question. It's a really great question. Um, it's probably, just so you know, it's probably our last question because we have another meeting coming up in 10 minutes. But, um, you know, when to use authority and when to use influence. If I have to rely on my authority, um, I should use that authority for myself, right? I should be relying on my authority in order to lead myself. And what I mean by that is 
um, the things that I say and commit to myself, I will do. And if I not, I need to come at myself for me personally, right? Come at myself with a little bit of a greater sense of authority. Stacey, you said you committed to this. You need to step up. You're not, you're not fulfilling that commitment you made to X, Y, Z, right? Um, I think it's, I think it, it's really important to be careful when you're going to operate from a place of position power, uh, when you're working with your, the people in your organization, um, you know, people know that if you are the boss or the manager, they know you have the authority. They already know that. So it's all, it's always in your best interest as the leader to attempt to understand first um, and then, you know, use that evidence, right? Like I talked about earlier, um, to really understand and assume best intent. Because if you go in with a strong arm, uh, people, that, that doesn't make for healthy places of work. It, it, it breeds fear, contempt, backbiting, unhealthy team dynamics. Um, not, a, not a great way to lead. Last question with two parts. And I would just, you can give just, you know, short answer. Uh, when, you know, that to progress, you need a good policy system and process, how a leader can create a good policy and process and system and how he can ensure the continuous improvement in all the systems and processes and the policies, either he will be taking alone, I mean, decisions alone as a leader or I mean, how? I think just as a, as a brief answer to this, I think that the more collaborative you can be in creating those policies um, and processes gives ownership and agency back to the team. So I think when we talk about creating that culture of trust and respect, um, when we're building new policies and processes, instead of doing it on your own as the leader, which by the way, is a really, it's a lot of work to do that on your own. So if you can bring it back to your team and create that with your team, you're already creating a community that's, that's on the same page and moving towards uh, that alignment to the mission and vision that you have put in place to begin with. Um, I think that that's, that's probably the greatest piece of advice I can, I can think of when creating those policies uh, and processes. Stacy, Renee, trust me, it was really, really great and insightful talk. Uh, and I'm really thankful to you for joining this podcast uh, from all the team of Innovation Talks at Innovation Valley. And uh, any last message you would like to give to our audience? Any, no question from my side. Any closing remarks? Yeah, I'll just share, you know, the mission of soul growth is to follow your heart, open your soul, and love the life you live. And Perfect. each of us has this space inside of us that we know deeply. Um, that we know really who we are and we know what it feels like to be home in that space. And so I just encourage anyone listening to this to find that space, to remember what that feels like and to, and to allow yourself to operate from there, even if it's for one minute, even if it hasn't been a while, it's okay. Trust yourself to kind of open, open that space and explore. Perfect. When you show up as yourself, you experience all kinds of freedom that maybe you never knew that 
that you had before. Sahid, I just want to thank you for the time today. It was really fun to just connect with you and talk about systems and processes and developing um, amazing teams. 